Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I am your host and narrator, Springheel Jack. And as always, I'd like to take this time to thank you for tuning in to another episode. Your support, your reviews, and your patronage mean the world to me, and I genuinely appreciate it. If you're easily offended, and this is your first time listening, I would encourage you to find a different show to listen to and spare me the negative reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts. With no more further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Anthology of Horror podcast. Today's episode is a special one because I will be featuring stories inspired by our listeners. That's right. I took the names from some of my audience and used them as characters in original horror stories written by ChatGPT. For those of you that don't know, that is a terrifyingly intelligent artificial intelligence chatbot. These stories are sure to send shivers down your spine and keep you on the edge of your seat. From encounters with demons, to haunted cruise liners, and old western ghost towns, we've got it all. So sit back and relax, and prepare to be terrified, as we dive into these bone-chilling tales featuring you, the listeners, as the main characters. Don't forget to leave a review and let me know which story was your favorite, and if you'd like to be featured in a future episode, be sure to follow me on social media for updates on how to submit your name for consideration. I should also take this time to tell you that ChatGPT wrote my intro. And now, with no more further ado, let's get started. Taylor had always loved exploring the outdoors, and living in Florida gave her plenty of opportunities to do just that. She spent most of her weekends hiking through the local swamps, always feeling invigorated by the sense of adventure. But one day, Taylor's usual sense of excitement turned to fear as she realized that she was lost. She had wandered too far off the trail and was now deep in the heart of the swamp, surrounded by nothing but murky water and dense vegetation. As she tried to retrace her steps, Taylor heard a strange noise coming from the trees. It was a soft, croaky voice that seemed to be calling her name. She looked around, but she couldn't see anyone. She called out, asking if anyone was there, but there was no response. As she continued to walk, Taylor realized that she was being followed. Every time she turned around, she caught a glimpse of a shadowy figure lurking in the shadows. It was too far away for her to see clearly, but she knew it was watching her. Suddenly, the ground beneath her feet gave way and Taylor fell into a deep, muddy pit. She tried to climb out, but the walls were far too steep and she was trapped. It wasn't until she heard the croaky voice again that Taylor realized that she was not alone. She looked up and saw an old woman standing at the edge of the pit, looking down at her with cold, unfeeling eyes. The woman was covered in mud and reeds, and her hair was wild and tangled. Taylor could see that she was holding a staff, and that it was decorated with bones and feathers. She knew right away that she was in the presence of a swamp witch. The witch began to speak, her voice raspy and slow. She told Taylor that she had been watching her for a long time, and that she had been waiting for her to get lost. She said that Taylor was the perfect sacrifice and that she would use her body to create a powerful spell. 
Taylor tried to scream, but no sound would come out. She was paralyzed with fear, and she knew that she had to find a way to escape. But the witch was too powerful. She chanted a spell, and Taylor felt herself growing weaker and weaker. The mud began to close in around her, and she knew that she was going to die. Just as she was about to give up, Taylor remembered something she had read in a book about the swamps. She whispered a prayer to the spirits of the swamp, hoping that they would hear her. Suddenly, the ground began to shake, and a bolt of lightning struck the witch's staff, shattering it into pieces. The witch screamed in a rage, and Taylor saw her begin to dissolve into the mud. As the mud cleared, Taylor saw a group of men in boats rushing towards her. They had heard her prayer, and they had come to rescue her. Taylor never forgot the terror of that day. She knew that she had come close to death, and that the swamp witch was still out there waiting for her next victim. She vowed never to venture into the swamp alone again, and to always respect the power of the swamp. I can't believe that these were written by an AI chatbot and they're better than 95% of the shit on Reddit. I love it. I don't. It scares the shit out of me, but I enjoy it. Dan had always been interested in the paranormal. He would often watch TV shows about ghosts and hauntings on TV, and he loved reading stories about people's encounters with the supernatural. So when he came across an old Ouija board at a thrift store, he couldn't resist buying it. Dan didn't really believe in the power of the Ouija board. He thought it was just a harmless toy, a way to pass the time on a boring night. But that all changed when he brought it home and started fucking with it. At first, nothing seemed to happen. Dan and his friends would ask questions and the board would spell out answers. They all laughed and joked, thinking that it was just a silly game. But then, things started to get weird. The board started spelling out things that no one could have known. It spelled out names and dates and even detailed information about people's lives. Dan and his friends started to feel uneasy, but they kept playing, thinking it was all just a coincidence. That was until the board spelled out the name of somebody that they had all known, but who had died a few years earlier. Suddenly, the planchette started moving faster and faster, spelling out words that made no sense. Dan's friends started to panic, but Dan felt an odd sense of excitement. He felt like he was finally making contact with the other side. But as soon as he thought that, things took a dark turn. The room grew colder, and Dan felt a presence in the room with them. Suddenly, the planchette started moving on its own, spelling out a message that made Dan's blood run cold. I am here, it spelled, and I am not alone. Dan's friends screamed and ran out of the room, but Dan couldn't move. He felt paralyzed with fear, and he knew that something terrible was about to happen. The board spelled out more messages, each one more terrifying than the last. It told Dan that he had opened a door he could never close, and that he had invited something into his life that would never leave him alone. And that was the truth. From that day on, Dan was plagued by strange occurrences. He would hear voices in the middle of the night, and he would see shadowy figures lurking in the corners of his room. He tried to get rid of the Ouija board, but it wouldn't leave him alone. It would always find its way back to him as if it was calling out to him, begging him to play with it again. Dan soon realized that he had made a grave mistake by playing with the Ouija board. He had unleashed a dark and malevolent force, and now he was paying the price. He knew that he would never be free of it, and that it would haunt him for the rest of his life. Once again, better than the shit on Reddit. And uh, if you think these stories are about you, they probably are. Just, uh, just for clarification, this next one, here it is.
Kylie had always loved the sea. She grew up near the coast of Washington and spent most of her childhood swimming, sailing, and exploring the nearby beaches. So when she inherited her grandfather's old sailboat, she knew exactly where she wanted to go, out into the open water. It was a foggy morning when Kylie set out on her own, hoping to spend a few hours sailing and enjoying the peace and quiet. She wasn't too far from the shore when she spotted a large cruise liner in the distance. It was an old, rusty ship, and it looked like it had been abandoned for years. Kylie was curious and a little bit unnerved, but she decided to sail closer to take a look. As she got closer, she noticed something strange about the ship. There were no signs of life on board, and the windows were dark and foreboding. It was as if the ship had been frozen in time, trapped in the fog, and forgotten by the world. Despite her unease, Kylie felt drawn to the ship. She decided to dock her sailboat alongside it and climb aboard to explore. As she stepped onto the deck, she felt a chill run down her spine. The air was cold and damp, and the silence was almost deafening. Kylie walked through the deserted corridors and empty rooms, feeling more and more uneasy with each step. It was as if the ship was watching her, waiting for her to make a mistake. Then she heard a sound. It was a faint whisper coming from one of the cabins down the hall. Kylie hesitated, wondering if she should investigate, but her curiosity got the best of her. As she entered the cabin, she felt a sudden shift in the atmosphere. It was as if the room had come alive and she could feel a presence that she couldn't explain. Suddenly, she saw a figure in the corner of her room, a shadowy shape that seemed to be watching her. Kylie tried to back away, but it was too late. The figure lunged at her, and she screamed as it enveloped her in a cold, suffocating embrace. She could feel its icy grip on her neck, and she knew that she was trapped. For hours, Kylie was trapped on the haunted cruise liner, pursued by unseen forces and haunted by the ghost of its past. She tried to find a way off the ship, but it was as if the ship itself was conspiring against her. Every time she tried to escape, the corridor shifted and the doors locked, trapping her once again. In the end, Kylie was never seen again. Some say that she was swallowed up by the sea, others that she was consumed by the ship itself. But those who knew the truth whispered about the haunted cruise liner, warning others never to sail too close to its murky waters. Well, that took a dark turn. But here's another one. Lisa had always loved writing. As an author and a professor of literature, she had spent her entire life exploring the power of words and the stories they could create. But one night, as she sat at her desk, scribbling down her latest ideas, something strange happened. As she wrote about a creature from her imagination, she felt a sudden chill run down her spine. It was as if the words she had written had come alive and the creature was now standing in front of her. At first, Lisa thought it was just her imagination playing tricks on her, but as she watched the creature move and breathe, she realized that it was indeed real. She had somehow conjured it into existence simply by writing about it. Lisa was terrified, but she couldn't stop herself from exploring this newfound power. Night after night, she would write about different creatures, each one of them more terrifying than the last and each time they would come to life in her room ready to terrorize her. She tried to destroy her writing, but it was as if the words had taken on a life of their own. No matter how hard she tried, she couldn't escape the creatures that she had created. As the days passed, Lisa's sanity began to crumble. She became obsessed with her writing, staying up late into the night to conjure new monsters and explore their twisted worlds. 
Her friends and her colleagues noticed the change in her behavior, but they couldn't understand what was happening. And then, one night, Lisa wrote about the most terrifying creature of all. It was a monster she had never seen before. A creature that was so powerful that it could destroy the world. As she finished the last sentence of her story, she felt a sudden surge of energy, and the creature emerged from the page, towering over her. Lisa now knew that she had gone too far. She tried to flee, but the monster was too fast. It pursued her through the city, destroying everything in its path. And in the end, Lisa was consumed by the very creature that she had created, a victim of her own twisted imagination. As the people in the city tried to pick up the pieces and understand what had happened, they discovered Lisa's writing, scattered throughout her home. They realized too late that her stories were not just harmless fantasies, but dangerous spells that had unleashed monsters upon the world. And so, they burned her books, hoping to destroy the evil that Lisa had created. But some say that her stories still linger, waiting to be discovered by those brave or foolish enough to read them. Man. Alright, here's another one. Sarah had always loved the outdoors, and she often went on solo backpacking trips to escape the stress of her daily life. But on one fateful trip in the New Jersey woods, she encountered something she never could have imagined. It was late afternoon when Sarah set up camp by a stream. She had been hiking all day and was completely exhausted, so she quickly set up her tent and made a fire. As she sat by the flames, enjoying the peace and quiet of the woods, she heard something rustling in the bushes. At first, she thought it was just a deer or a bear, but as she looked closer, she realized that it was something much more sinister. The creature was, in fact, a mountain lion, but its eyes were glowing red, and it had an aura of malevolence that Sarah could feel even from a distance. Sarah tried to back away slowly, but the mountain lion seemed to be stalking her, circling closer and closer. Suddenly, the creature leapt at her, claws bared and teeth gnashing. Sarah screamed and tried to fight it off, but the creature was far too powerful. As it sunk its teeth into her flesh, Sarah felt a rush of heat and pain, as if something dark and evil was coursing through her veins. She managed to escape the mountain lion's grasp and ran back to her tent, hoping to find some kind of weapon. But as she reached for her pack, she felt something inside her shift and change. It was as if the demon that had possessed the mountain lion had now taken over her body. She felt its hunger and its thirst for blood, and she knew she was no longer in control. Sarah tried to fight the demon, but it was too strong. It forced her to wander deeper into the woods, searching for more victims to prey upon. As she attacked other hikers and campers, she felt herself slipping further and further into the darkness. Days later, after a search party found Sarah wandering through the woods in a daze, she was covered in blood and had no memory of what had happened to her. But the search party knew that something evil had taken hold of her, and they quickly took her to the hospital. Over the next few weeks, Sarah recovered from her injuries, but she could not shake the feeling of something dark and malevolent lurking just beneath the surface. She knew that the demon was still inside her, waiting for the right moment to take control again. And so, Sarah retreated from the world, living alone in the woods, knowing that she could never fully escape the demon that had taken over her body. She spent her days trying to fight the darkness within, but she knew that one day, the demon would win, and she would become a monster once again. A were-mountain lion, so to speak. Let's have another one. 
And like I said before, if you think these stories are about you, you're probably right. Joe had always been fascinated by the history of the American West, and he often spent his weekends exploring abandoned ghost towns and mining camps. But on one fateful trip to a remote desert town, he encountered something that would change his life forever. As he walked down the dusty main street, Joe could feel the weight of history marching around him. The buildings were all weathered and faded, and the silence was so complete that he could hear his own heartbeat. Suddenly, he heard the sound of footsteps behind him, and he turned to see a figure emerging from the shadows. It was a man, dressed in the clothes of the Old West with a long coat and a hat pulled low over his eyes. Joe reached for his gun, but the man held up his hand and said, I'm not here to harm you, I'm just here to settle a score. Joe was taken aback. What are you talking about? he asked. The man explained that he was the ghost of an Old West outlaw, and he had been trapped in the town for over a century. He had been waiting for someone like Joe, someone who was brave enough to face him in a duel. Joe was skeptical, but he could feel the intensity of the man's gaze, and he knew that he was dealing with something beyond his understanding. The outlaw had challenged him to a duel, and Joe reluctantly accepted. They paced off ten paces, and when the signal was given, they drew their guns and fired. Joe's shot missed, but the outlaw's bullet struck him in the chest. Joe fell to the ground, gasping for air, but he could see the outlaw's figure fading away into the shadows. As he lay, seemingly dying, Joe realized that he had been foolish to challenge an evil spirit to a gunfight. He thought that he was going to die, but could feel the presence of the outlaw still lurking around him, waiting to claim his soul. Joe struggled to stay conscious, but his body was failing him. He closed his eyes and waited for the inevitable end, but when he opened them again, he was surprised to find that he was still alive. He looked down at his chest, expecting to see a bullet wound, but there was nothing there. He looked around, trying to make sense of what had happened, but the town was empty once again. He knew that he had faced something beyond his understanding, and he wasn't sure if he would ever be the same again. From that day on, Joe never spoke of the encounter with the outlaw again, but he could feel the weight of that experience on his soul, and he knew that he had been changed forever by the evil that he had faced. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this time to recommend a book written by a dear friend of mine named Sam Stoutman, a.k.a. The Scallywag Writer. He wrote a book called Pirates and Scallywags. It's a trilogy in the making, and he just released the second book. The Pirates and Scallywags trilogy follows the adventures of three pirate captains during the golden age of piracy, from plundering ships on the high seas to wild nights and legendary scallywag haunts. Captains... Umberland, Montpelier, and Estevez live life to the fullest. However, both the English and Spanish navies are furiously searching for them, committed to bringing them to justice. And in the shadows, evil forces are growing in strength, threatening to destroy all the pirates. I would love for you guys to purchase this book on Amazon. It's called Pirates and Scallywags, and it is, once again, by Sam Stoutman. So if you could please... Go on Amazon and order yourself a copy. You won't be disappointed. It is a great book. And he's a great guy. So please, reach out and support him. Sam had been working at the recycling plant for years, sorting through mountains of garbage every day in an effort to save the environment. But one day, she stumbled upon something that she could never have imagined. 
As she was sorting through a pile of discarded items, she found an old, ornate lamp. She had seen it before, but she couldn't resist picking it up and examining it. As she rubbed the lamp, she suddenly felt a presence in the room. It was as if the air had grown thick with something she couldn't quite identify. Suddenly, a figure appeared before her. It was a jinn, an evil spirit that had been trapped inside the lamp for centuries. The jinn spoke in a voice that was both hypnotic and menacing. I have been waiting for someone to release me, he said, and now I'm free. Sam tried to run, but the jinn was too powerful. He snatched her up in his grip and dragged her into another dimension, a realm of darkness and fire. For days, Sam was held captive by the jinn, forced to do his bidding. He demanded that she find him a new vessel, a body that he could inhabit so that he could roam the earth once again. Sam knew that she had to find a way to escape, but the jinn's powers were too strong. She tried to reason with him, to plead for her freedom, but he was unyielding. One night, as she lay in her makeshift prison, Sam realized that she had one weapon left. She knew the power of words, the power of storytelling, and rhetoric. Sam began to tell the jinn stories, tales of ancient civilizations and long-forgotten myths. She spoke of heroes and villains, of love and loss, and of triumph and tragedy. And as she spoke, the jinn's grip on her began to weaken. He seemed to be listening, enraptured by her words. Finally, when she had finished her last tale, the jinn released her from his grasp. He smiled a wicked grin that sent shivers down her spine. You are a clever one, he said. You have bought your freedom with your stories. But remember, Sam, I will always be watching. And if you ever cross me again, I shall return. And with that, the jinn vanished, leaving Sam alone in the darkness. Sam emerged from her captivity a changed person. She knew that she had faced something beyond her understanding, and she wasn't sure if she would ever again be the same. But she also knew the power of words, and she knew that she could use them to protect herself in the future. Devin had been working overnights at the grocery store for years. It wasn't his dream job, but it paid the bills, and he didn't mind the solitude of working during the quiet hours of the night. But one night, everything changed. As he was stocking the shelves in the frozen food aisle, he heard a strange noise coming from the back of the store. It was a low, guttural growl that made the hair on the back of his neck stand up. Devin grabbed a broom and cautiously made his way to the back of the store. He saw nothing out of the ordinary, but the growling continued. Suddenly, a figure appeared before him. It was a creature unlike anything he had ever seen before. It was tall, with dark fur covering its entire body. Its eyes glowed red, and its claws were long and sharp. Devin tried to run, but the creature was too fast. It pounced on him, knocking him to the ground. He could feel its hot breath on his face as it growled in his ear. He knew that he had to fight back, so he swung the broom at the creature. It landed a blow, but it didn't seem to affect the creature at all. The creature just growled louder, its eyes flashing with anger. Desperate for a way out, Devin ran to the front of the store, hoping to find a way to escape but the creature was right behind him, its claws slashing at his back. Just when he thought all was lost, a customer entered the store. The creature turned its attention to the newcomer, allowing Devin to run out the door. As he stumbled out into the parking lot, Devin realized that he had been changed by the encounter. He could feel a darkness growing inside of him, a desire for blood and destruction. And from that day forward, Devin was never the same. He became obsessed with the creature, studying everything he could find about it. 
He started to see it in his dreams, and he even began to hear its growls in the silence of the night. In the end, Devin knew that he could never escape the creature that had haunted him for so long. It had become a part of him, a dark force that would always be with him, and he knew that one day, it would come for him again. I genuinely hope you guys are enjoying these as much as I am. Amy had always been drawn to the mysterious and the supernatural, so when she was offered the job of caretaker for an old Victorian mansion, she jumped at the chance. The mansion was said to be haunted by the ghost of its former owner, a wealthy Victorian gentleman who had died under mysterious circumstances. At first, Amy was skeptical of the ghostly presence in the mansion, but as she spent more time there, she began to feel a strange connection to the former owner. She would often find herself talking to him as she went about her duties, telling him about her day and asking him questions about his life. But as the weeks turned into months, Amy began to fall in love with the ghostly figure. She would spend hours sitting in the library, reading old books and imagining what life must have been like for the handsome Victorian gentleman who had once lived there. One night, as she was cleaning the master bedroom, she felt a cold breath on the back of her neck. She turned around, expecting to see the ghostly figure of the former owner, but instead, she saw something much more terrifying. Standing before her was the ghost of the former owner's wife, a jealous and vengeful spirit who had died in a fit of rage after discovering her husband's infidelity. The ghostly figure lunged at Amy, her eyes glowing with otherworldly rage. Amy tried to run, but she was trapped in the room. The ghostly figure seemed to be everywhere at once, her fingers digging into Amy's flesh and her voice echoing in her ears. As the night wore on, Amy was pushed to the brink of madness. She knew that the only way to escape the ghostly figure was to leave the mansion, but she couldn't bring herself to abandon the man that she had fallen in love with. In the end, Amy was forced to make a terrible choice. She knew that she could never leave the mansion alive, so she decided to stay and join the ghostly figures that haunted its halls. As the sun rose on a new day, the mansion was quiet once again, save for the whispers of the ghostly lovers who would forever remain entwined within its walls. Man, that one took a dark turn as well. Somebody corrupted chat GPT. It was not me. Robert had been a soda delivery vendor, for over a decade, driving his truck across the state to supply soda to various stores and shops. One night, while on a routine delivery in a remote part of the woods, his truck broke down. It was already late, and he knew he wouldn't be able to get it fixed until the next day. As he sat in his truck waiting for help, he noticed a figure moving through the woods. At first, he thought it was a bear, but as it got closer, he realized it was something else entirely. It was a female Sasquatch, and she was headed straight for him. I wonder why it felt the need to say that it was a female Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, yes. I haven't read these, by the way. This is the first read-through. So, Robert, if the female Sasquatch tries to mate with you, I'm not sorry. Robert tried to start his truck, but it still wouldn't turn over. The Sasquatch was now standing right outside his window, growling and banging on the door. Robert was frozen with fear as the creature started to rock the truck back and forth. Just as he thought the Sasquatch was going to break through the windows and attack him, he heard a sound in the distance. It was the sound of a helicopter, and it was getting closer. The Sasquatch turned and ran back into the woods, and Robert breathed a sigh of relief. He watched as the helicopter landed nearby, and a team of researchers approached him. 
They explained that they were studying the local Sasquatch population and had been tracking the female that had attacked him. They had been able to tranquilize her and wanted to take her back to their lab for further studies. Robert was in shock but grateful for their intervention. He couldn't believe that he had come face to face with a Sasquatch and had survived. As he drove away in his truck, he couldn't shake the feeling that the creature had left its mark on him, one that would haunt him for years to come. Ah, bummer. I was really hoping it would try to mate with him, but I guess ChatGPT won't do that. Sam Stoutman was an up-and-coming author who had recently published a best-selling novel. His book had hit the top spot on the New York Times bestseller list, and he was quickly gaining popularity among readers and critics alike. One day, he received a mysterious email from an unknown sender. The email was short and to the point, asking him to meet with the sender at a remote location outside of town. Curiosity getting the best of him, Sam decided to take the meeting. When he arrived at the location, he found himself face to face with an old woman who introduced herself as Hakate, an infamous witch who had been rumored to be living in the area for centuries. Hakate explained that she had read Sam's book and was impressed by his writing skills. She had a proposition for him to write her autobiography. Sam was initially hesitant, but the promise of fame and fortune was too tempting to resist. As Sam delved deeper and deeper into Hakate's story, he began to realize that she was not just any old witch. She was a powerful and evil witch who had made a deal with the devil himself. Sam started to see her true nature as she started to reveal her darkest secrets to him. The more Sam wrote, the more he realized that he had made a grave mistake. Hakate's power was starting to consume him, and he feared for his life. He tried to break the deal, but it was too late. Hakate had him under her control, and she was determined to make him finish her story no matter the cost. Sam soon found himself trapped in Hakate's lair, surrounded by her loyal coven of followers. They performed dark rituals to keep Sam in a state of fear and submission. He was no longer in control of his mind and body, and Hakate's power was growing stronger with every passing day. In the end, Sam never finished Hakate's story. He disappeared without a trace, leaving behind only a manuscript that nobody has ever dared to read. Some say that Hakate's curse still lingers in the town, and that Sam's soul is trapped in her lair, forced to serve her for all eternity. You guys know that witch Hakate, the witch of cheap Mexican beer. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this time to recommend a book written by a dear friend of mine named Sam Stoutman, a.k.a. the Scallywag Writer. He wrote a book called Pirates and Scallywags. It's a trilogy in the making, and he just released the second book. The Pirates and Scallywags trilogy follows the adventures of three pirate captains during the golden age of piracy, from plundering ships on the high seas to wild nights and legendary scallywag haunts. Captains Umberland, Montpelier, and Estevez live life to the fullest. However, both the English and Spanish navies are furiously searching for them, committed to bringing them to justice. And in the shadows, evil forces are growing in strength, threatening to destroy all the pirates. I would love for you guys to purchase this book on Amazon. It's called Pirates and Scallywags, and it is, once again, by Sam Stoutman. So if you could please go on Amazon and order yourself a copy, you won't be disappointed. It is a great book, and he's a great guy. So please reach out and support him if you can. (laughs) 
Handsome Rob was a man who had always prided himself on his good looks and charm. He was a womanizer, going from one conquest to another without a care in the world. But all of that changed when he met a beautiful and seductive woman named Lilith. From the moment that Rob laid eyes on Lilith, he was completely captivated. She was unlike any woman he had ever met, and he couldn't resist her charms. They spent every moment together, and Rob was convinced that he had finally found the love of his life. But as time went on, Rob began to notice strange things happening to him. He was constantly tired, his body was weak, and he was losing weight rapidly. He went to see doctors, but none of them could figure out what was wrong with him. It wasn't until he stumbled upon an old book about demons and spirits that he realized what was happening to him. Lilith was a succubus, a demon who fed on the life force of men through sexual encounters. She had been draining Rob's life force, and he was slowly dying. Despite this knowledge, Rob could not resist Lilith's allure. He was addicted to her, and couldn't bear the thought of living without her. Lilith was aware of this, and used it to her advantage. She would make promises to Rob, telling him that she could make him live forever if he pledged his loyalty to her. Rob was willing to do anything for Lilith, and so he made a deal with her. He would become her servant, forever bound to her, and serving her every whim. In return, she would grant him immortality. But Rob soon realized that Lilith's love was not true. She was a monster, and she had no compassion for him or anybody else. He was trapped in her grasp, forced to serve her for all eternity. As the years passed, Rob became a shadow of his former self. He was no longer the handsome and charming man that he once was, but a slave to Lilith's every desire. He was doomed to live forever, trapped in a cycle of pain and torment. In the end, Rob realized that he had made a terrible mistake. He had fallen dangerously in love with a succubus, and it had cost him everything. He was forever bound to her, his soul lost in her grasp, with no hope of ever escaping. Man, chat GPT's in a mood. Dana had always been fascinated by the occult. She spent her free time reading books about witchcraft, demons, and other dark forces, but she never believed that she would actually make contact with the supernatural. One day, while performing a ritual alone in her apartment, Dana accidentally summoned the devil. She was shocked and terrified when he appeared before her, towering over her with his black wings and red eyes. The devil offered Dana a deal in exchange for her soul. He would give her whatever she desired. At first, Dana was hesitant, but as she thought about all the things she wanted in life, she couldn't resist the devil's offer, and so she made the deal. At first, everything seemed to be going well. Dana had everything she could ever want. Money, fame, power, huh, uh-huh. But soon, she realized that there was a catch. The devil had given her what she wanted indeed, but he had also taken away her humanity. Dana no longer felt joy or happiness, only a deep sense of emptiness. She watched as her friends and family turned away from her, horrified by the monster she had become. Desperate to undo the deal, Dana tried to summon the devil again, but he refused to appear before her, taunting her instead from afar. In the end, Dana was left alone and miserable, regretting the choice she had made. She had sold her soul for a few fleeting pleasures, and it had, it had cost her everything. From that day forward, Dana spent her life warning others about the dangers of the occult. She knew firsthand the price that could be paid for dabbling in dark magic. And she hoped that her warning would be enough to prevent others from making the same mistakes that she had. 
So she turned into a lady that screams at you at the bus stop about the occult. We have no shortage of them in Los Angeles. Just saying. I think this is going to be the last one, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed this as much as I have. Eli was a guitar player from a small town in the rural south. He had always been obsessed with the blues and spent most of his time practicing and playing in local bars and dive joints. One day, while walking home from a gig late at night, Eli stumbled upon a crossroads. As he approached, he saw a dark figure standing in the center of the crossroad. It was Satan himself. Satan looked at Eli and spoke in a deep, menacing voice. I have heard you play the guitar, Eli, and I must say, you are quite talented. I'd like to make you an offer. Eli was shocked and terrified, but he couldn't resist hearing the offer. Satan challenged Eli to a guitar duel at the crossroads at midnight. If Eli won, Satan would grant him anything he desired, but if Satan won, he would claim Eli's soul for eternity. Eli was hesitant, but he couldn't pass up the opportunity to prove his worth as a guitar player, so he agreed to the duel. The night of the duel arrived, and Eli arrived at the crossroads with his guitar in hand. Satan was waiting for him, also with a guitar in hand. The two began to play, their fingers moving at lightning speed across the strings. Eli played with all of his heart and soul, pouring all of his emotion into the music. But Satan was no ordinary opponent. He played with a dark and sinister energy, his fingers moving with an otherworldly speed. The duel lasted for what seemed like hours, with the two players locked in a musical battle for the ages. But in the end, <laughs> Satan emerged victorious. Sorry, Eli. Eli's soul was now bound to Satan for all of eternity. He had lost the duel and there was no going back. From that night on, Eli was never the same. He was consumed by darkness, his soul forever lost to the devil's grip. He became a shadow of his former self, wandering the earth as a lost and tortured soul. The people of the town whispered about him, telling tales of the guitar player who had sold his soul to the devil. Eli was never seen again, but his legend lived on. And in the dead of night, some say you can still hear his guitar playing echoing through the crossroads as a haunting reminder of the price of fame and the dangers of playing with the devil. And for those of you that like country music, please be sure to give my friend Eli Locke a listen. He's on Spotify if you search for Eli Locke, and you can also find him on Instagram, I believe, at Eli Locke Music. Instagram.com slash Eli Locke Music. And that concludes another chilling episode of the Anthology of Horror, hosted by... Yours truly, none other than spring Jack. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's tales of terror and suspense. Be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Anthology of Horror, where we'll delve into more tales of darkness and dread. And remember, if you have a story of your own that you'd like to share, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. That is Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. D-U-K-E-L-A-N-D-I-S-1-7. Thank you guys very much for listening. And until next time, stay spooky.
You're crazy.